Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Vineyard Northwest. So glad to see you all. My name is Jamie, and I serve here with House Group and with School of Kingdom Ministry. So glad to see you all this morning. If today is your first time here, we are so honored that you decided to join us this morning. Welcome. Uh, We have a gift for you out at the Welcome Center in the atrium. You can stop by there after service. It's just a small gift to say, hey, thanks for coming. It would also help us to get to know you a little bit better if you're new to fill a Connect card. So if you look at the seat back in front of you, there's little cards. You just fill that out, and you can drop it in the offering basket, or you can take it out to the atrium, to the Welcome Center, when you pick up your gift as well. Speaking of offering baskets, we are going to be taking up off, we are going to be receiving the offering later in the service. If you're making out a check, you can make it out to Vineyard Northwest. If you'd like to use an envelope for your offering, there are also envelopes in the seat backs where the connect cards are as well. And there's pens there also. Great. You can also give online on our website or on our mobile app at any time. So that's also a really great resource if you don't carry around checks or cash anymore. So now I'd like to highlight a few things that are going to be coming up really shortly with our church. The first one I'm going to touch on is divorce care. So starting this Tuesday, March 13th, uh, Jen and Mike Utech are going to be leading the group. And I really just want to encourage those who have gone through the pain or in the separation of divorce to go to this. As we've said before, Vineyard Northwest is for marriage. And we also recognize that we are in an imperfect and broken world where divorce happens. And we just want to provide a resource for you to be in a place where people can kind of guide you through and lead you into what we really believe that God has for you right now. So you don't have to register for this, but it would help to have a head count. Uh, And you can find more information about how to do that in your program. Next, I'm going to talk about Time Out for Mom. So this is happening on Saturday, March 17th from 9.30 to 11.30 a.m. So this will just be a time for some reflection, for some encouragement, and uh, just a little bit of equipping for moms. There's going to be some child care provided, so you can really look forward to that. Moms, we want to see you there. It'll be a good time. More information for that as well in your program. Next, uh, we're talking about the Culture of Heaven, Heaven Conference. So our friend Georgian Banoff is hosting a conference here in May called Culture of Heaven. And we're actually going to take a quick look at a video about the conference just to give you a better idea of what it's going to be about. No shadow, you won't light Mountain, Every you won't characteristic that is in the heart of God and that is also in you and I no springs out of love. It's all part of what love is. And when you are truly loving, you will be truly manifesting the values of the kingdom. And God breathe an aspect of himself in you. There's something unique. Some of you are artists, some of you are musicians, some of you are business people, some of you are homemakers. There's something that you have on the inside of you that will add a contribution that nobody else can add. But to be saved, to be given that amazing sitting in heavenly places, one with Christ, is no effort whatsoever. It's his effort, his gift that we get to give away as a free gift. 
greatest miracles that will ever happen in this church or any church is when the saints of God start praying for the people. That's what he's going to do. He's going to use the ordinary men and women to do extraordinary things so he gets the glory. And just like Abraham, we can say, look up, buddy. Look up. See what God has planned for you. The greatest numbers are the greatest servants. We live to love. We live to serve. To love and to serve God and to love and to serve each other. Doesn't that look awesome? Yeah. We are incredibly excited and honored to be hosting that here at Vineyard Northwest. Just a heads up, um, this is something that you need to register for. And there is a fee to attend the conference. So you can go online. And there's also in your program a discount code for those who attend Vineyard Northwest so that you can register. Now, people are coming from all over for this conference. So you'll probably want to register soon because uh, we only have so many seats in here. So do that as soon as you decide you're coming. And lastly, as I mentioned a few times previously, we have a program. There's more information about everything I just talked about, plus more information in regards to kids, teens, young adults, family groups, and more. So with that, I'm going to introduce our senior pastor, Van Cochran, to give the message. Thanks, Jamie. Well, it's good to be with you all here today. Um, yeah, the thing with Georgian, th- this is just like a God thing that we know Georgian Banoff. We met him a year ago, um, not by design, by God's providence, and he fell in love with our church and with our staff. And it, he said, Van, I said, I want to do a conference at your church. And so, of course, we said, yeah, let, let's do it. It's exciting. Uh, these speakers are going to be powerful. The one man, uh, Bobby Connor, well, well, first of all, if you were here last year to hear Georgian, then you know the joy that he brings. And it, he's referred to as the apostle of joy. That's, that's what people call him. And he just brings a ton of joy and uh, excitement to the Christian faith that we all need. But... Um, the one man that we saw, Bobby Connor, he was the one that, that had the scruffy beard. He's significant to us as a church, very significant to me in my own personal life, because the day before I moved from Champaign, Illinois, here to Cincinnati, Bobby Connor was at, in Champaign for the weekend. I had never met him before. I didn't know him. He didn't know me. But he invited the pastors to come up for prayer, and so I was in line. And he was praying for people coming down the line. And he came to me and he looked at me and he said, God's going to give you a ministry to Presbyterians. And um, now the thing is, 
I was coming here to pastor a church of uh, almost exclusively former Presbyterians. He had no idea about that. And then he looked at me and he said, and he took a step back, kind of like, like shook his head and he said, and Catholics. He, he might have said Catholics first and Presbyterians second. I can't remember the order. But he said, and, and Catholics, he's kind of like shaking his head like that, like this doesn't make sense. And he said, yeah, that's right. God's going to give you a big ministry to Presbyterians and Catholics. And uh, so it was, just a, it was just a word like that carries you through difficulty. And, and it carries you through uh, you know, the, the times that you, that you want to back off. A word like that carries you through. And that word really carried me through to uh, help us to plant this church. And so I'm excited to have him here as well as that whole team that's coming. And it's going to be exciting and good. Make sure you come, okay? If at all possible, decide soon and register. All right, uh, I've said this a few times in the last um, uh, few uh, weeks, couple, couple months, that we're going to have just a short financial family talk. And so we're going to do that this morning. Now, uh, when I say it's a family talk, what I mean by that is that it really is designed for people who are here, who are a regular part of the church. And uh, we do this once in a while. If you're new here, a first, second, third time even, we don't talk about money very much here. It's just not a topic that we, we go after uh, all the time. Uh, but if you are new, you're welcome to listen into this talk. Um, it, now, if, if you don't want to, you can go out and have a cup of coffee. And uh, you can play a game on your, uh, your phone if you want to. That, that only goes for new people, okay? <laughs> Everyone else, uh, you, you need to listen. But we're just going to take a few moments here. And uh, I want to remind you that... A year ago, at the end of 2016, in our family talk, we do this a couple times a year, but um, in, in the, the end of 2016, I shared with you that we had gone through, we were in the process of going through a transition, and we had been in a transition for about three years, and when you go through a big transition of kind of like direction, uh, giving oftentimes uh, drops, and we knew that was going to happen. And because of that transition we were in, we had operated on a deficit for three years in a row. And um, we knew that was going to happen, had the money to do that, thankfully. But at the end of 2016, I announced to you that that reserve was gone. And the 2017 was a year where we just had to step up and, and give to meet the budget and or would have tough decisions to make. So the exciting news is that in 2017, we had 2017, we had the highest giving we have ever had as a church. So that's something to cheer about. Let's, let's put that first slide up. It was $1,116,503 in some sense, but I thought would round it off. Now, that was a 10% increase over the giving in 2016, which is really exciting and, and really awesome. So I just I want to say way to go. You're giving, you're giving faithfully and sacrificially, and that's what's enabling this ministry to go on and to grow and to expand its impact. It, it, and um, you get to be part of God's work. That's the exciting thing, is we give not in response to need, we give because we want, we want to honor God, and just, we just give to honor God because it's His, 
And, 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 and when I say it's yours, I mean that. And I'm going to take this 10% and I'm going to say, God, I'm going to put this in your hands. Use it as you see fit. That's, that's why we give. But when we see that have the effect of advancing God's kingdom, that's like a byproduct of our commitment to the Lord in giving. And so it's an exciting thing to see. Um, and uh, last year, 2017, giving, I had the giving up there. Here were our budget expenses. $1,102,373. And so obviously you can see if the giving hadn't increased, we would have been, uh, we would have been in, in, a, in a spot where, as I said, we would have had to make tough decisions. But that was a surplus of about $14,000 which is really significant because that helps us to replenish our operating fund. And you have to have about a, month's, about a month of operating cash on hand so you can pay the bills when they're due and you don't have to uh, put a lot of energy. You know how like sometimes in, in, our, in our home budgets, you think, well, I have to wait a couple weeks before I can pay this bill. When you have as many bills as, a, as an organization like this has, that's not a good way to operate. And so uh, we're thankful for that. But uh, in addition to that giving, we had this other additional giving. So let's bring that up. For over $14,000 we gave when George Mbanov was here. Now, that's awesome, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, that's really great. That was without any warning. That we didn't tell you a week ahead or anything like that. We just stood up on Sunday morning and said, Georgian has 50 uh, child soldiers that he wants to take into his orphanage. And he needs money in order to take them in. And in that one day, we just, we just all dug and we gave, gave $14,000. Enabled him to take 50 child soldiers into his orphanage. Yeah, isn't that awesome? In Burma. And Georgian says this, he says, for some reason he doesn't really understand, child soldiers respond more quickly to the love of God than to, to any other group that they take in. And so that's just an exciting thing. Yeah, way to go, way to go. We gave over $16,000 towards Zimbabwe, above and beyond our budgeted, normal church budget giving to Zimbabwe, sent a team there. And there are exciting things happening in Zimbabwe. We have a, uh, a national class leader there, uh, a man that uh, works for the government. He was either going to come back to the States and get a PhD, come, come to the United States to get a PhD, or stay there. He is Zimbabwean. Stay there and plant this church. And he decided to stay there and plant the church. Isn't that awesome? I mean, that decision on his part is incredible. And what they're doing... Because Zimbabwe is such a poor country, like 90% unemployment rate, people can't just drive all the way across the city easily to attend church. And so they're using our young adult house group model as a sort of a house church model, and they're planting churches in neighborhoods that will all become part of the larger church coming together. Right now, the plan is on a monthly basis. And so that's an exciting thing. It's going well. The, the leader's name is Romulus. He's a great leader, has a lot of vision, and uh, this could change that entire nation. Zimbabwe at one time was called the breadbasket of Africa because they have such beautiful, fertile fields. And driving, driving across Zimbabwe is amazing to see the land there. But uh, they, they, they have, their whole economy has been totally uh, devastated. 
But uh, there are a lot of prophetic words that they're going to be not only the breadbasket of Africa for food, but they're going to be the breadbasket of Africa for the bread of life as well. And we get to be part of that. Um, now, interestingly, and I'm not, I mean, not surprisingly, but Romulus has a particular attachment to two of our pastors on staff here, Luke and Wilson. And so his heart is attached to them in, in a real strong way. And uh, they, they have a lot of encouragement for, you know, in their relationship. But I'm just really thankful for that as well. And it just gives us further opportunity to impact there. So we, we gave a, an additional 33000 in special offerings. That makes the total giving $1 million, uh, Next slide, slide five. Makes the total giving for 2017 $1,149,840. All right, let's stand up and cheer for that, okay? Yeah. Yeah. Just let it out. Cheer. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, and, and, and the cheering is because ministry is happening. We, we had a children's uh, camp last summer for the first time. Uh, our, our children's pastor, Sarah Anderson, an incredibly gifted young woman, just incredible. We're so blessed to have her here on our church staff. She planned this whole camp and, and, and has this incredible week of kids getting impacted by the Holy Spirit and kids getting saved. And we've seen a number of them baptized here in, in the last, uh, last six months or so. But um, they're going to do that again next year. And it's going to be bigger and it's going to be better. And by that, I don't mean better in the, you know, the, uh, the showy way. But it's going to be more powerful and there are going to be more people there being impacted. There are other churches that have come and said they want to be part of that. And one church is even a lot larger than ours. It doesn't have a kid's camp, but they're tying into what Sarah's doing and what we're doing as a church. That's only possible because you give. Wouldn't be happening. These kids would, this, this whole thing wouldn't be happening otherwise. Our new youth pastor who came on last spring uh, within uh, Jordan. Jordan, stand up since you're here. Wave everybody. Yeah. Yeah, Jordan is a monster youth pastor. He's, he's awesome. Within the first three months of coming on staff, he had arranged for, what, six or seven other churches? Seven, seven other churches to join us to put on a fall youth retreat. And this is the first time Jordan's been a youth pastor. And he just stepped right into it and started off running and organizing and calling these other churches and recruiting them to be a part of it. They had a fantastic uh, retreat last fall, and Jordan is a guy that plans ahead. Isn't that awesome? Yeah, God bless, man, people like that. He's already working hard on next fall's youth retreat, and it's, it's going to be bigger and better than ever, and again, in that respect of more people, lives being impacted by, the, by Jesus and for Jesus. You add to that Sockham School of Kingdom Ministry, Healing on the Streets, which happens in our mall Every week, drive-through prayer, which happens uh, once a month down on Colerain Avenue at Clippert Industries, and uh, house groups, the, the the Cincinnati House Group Ministry, which is our young adult ministry, and our target through the Cincinnati House Group Ministry, our young adult ministry, is to impact the whole city, impact young adults across the city. Okay, that's the goal of that. Now we also have what we would consider to be like internal house groups. 
that um, are not part of Cincinnati House Group, but uh, the same model and the same thing. And, uh, and so we have a couple of those, and we're, we're going um, to work towards starting more of those in this coming year. So there's just so much uh, good that's happening. And, um, well, let me, let me show you this. For 2018, here is our budget. Right there, $1,115,000. Now, um, we'll probably spend a little bit more than that because there'll be some opportunities that'll come up that we just can't anticipate. But uh, th- that's what we're shooting for. And as we look at that, it, and you realize last year, the, um, the total giving, well, the, the budgetary giving was $1,102,000. We're, where we're at right now is this. Last year, in 2017, the giving increased 10% over the previous year. Okay, now comparing where we are now to last year, does that make sense? We are 4% ahead of where we were last year. And so that means that there's, that there's the, every, every likelihood of the budget continuing to grow, which again, expands ministry. There are things we need to do. There are things we need to upgrade in technology. There, there are staff positions we need to fill in, in, uh, in, in a few different areas. And as that happens, we're going to reach more and more people and, and just have a, a, a powerful Holy Spirit, Jesus, life impact on, other pe- on people, more people, and on this city. And that's, that's what we're called to. So um, attendance also, is that up there right now? The next one. Okay, the giving increases 3.7%. I'm sorry, I said 4 And the attendance increase over last year at this time is 4%. So that, those are both exciting and good. Last, last thing I want to tell you is this, um, slide nine, if we can have that up there. Okay, there we are. We did a, a study called Natural Church Development, and that's an outside organization that, um, that does some uh, research about your church and survey, and then gives you results on what's strong and what needs to be uh, upgraded. And our biggest need was effective structures, Okay. Um, one of the reasons I cheered for Jordan planning next year's retreat already is planning ahead fits into that. You know, have, having clarity, having structures so that um, if, if you have a question, you have a pretty good idea where to go to get an answer, that sort of thing. So internal communication and systems. And so we have an outside consultant that we're working with who is just incredibly helpful, and we're making real progress on this. And I'm, I'm certain that by the end of the summer, we'll be in instituting some new systems internally that will help us as a church body to minister more effectively. And that's, that's the whole goal for all of this is people's lives being changed. So um, good news, wouldn't you say? Man, I think it's exciting, exciting stuff, yeah. All right, let's pray, okay? Well, turn to the person beside you and say, good job, all right? Just... <laughs> all right. Okay, so Father, uh, we're thankful to be part of your house. Thankful, Lord. You said your house is a house of prayer for the nations. 
and uh, prayer meeting that uh, you, you want it to go everywhere throughout the world. That's what we want to do. We want to live for you, Jesus. We want to follow your, your call on our lives and on our life as a church. And so we, we just yield our hearts to you. We yield, this church is yours. It's not ours. We want your leadership. We want your direction. And we thank you for your blessing. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. All right. Now, um, I didn't give do this before, but a quick update on Dan Smoker, who is our facility uh, manager. Uh, if you weren't here last week, you don't know this. Dan's 72 years old. He was hiking in Colorado with his grandson, and he fell off a cliff 20 feet to rocks below. And uh, um, just incredible story about how he survived that. Uh, at the hospital, at the beginning of the week, they were calling him the broken man. Now the nurses are calling him the miracle man. Isn't that awesome? And Dan broke his neck, um, broke his femur, his pelvis, uh, had uh, his um, bladder lacerated, broke seven ribs in multiple places, and, um, and had something to his discs in his lower back. He had to have surgery to correct that. And so all of these injuries are really immense. But um, yesterday was his first day in uh, rehab. Can you believe that? Wow. Yeah, Dan's an incredibly strong man, good-hearted, uh, loves Jesus, and uh, so he was in pain last night. That was the word we got. So we just want to pray that he, he, the pain alleviates and he's able to heal men really, really quickly, okay? So join me in praying for Dan, okay? Yeah, if you want to, this is West. We determined that last week. Yeah, if you want to just stretch your hand that direction, do it, Okay. Uh, Father, we thank you for Dan. Thank you for Lil and their family. Uh, thank you, God, that, that you've put uh, Jesus into that whole family, that whole family line. We just pray blessings on them all right now, on Eli, who was with his grandpa when he fell, and on, on Lil, uh, Dan's wife, give her strength and the ability to just to keep, keep on moving ahead. And we pray for Dan that you would alleviate the pain that you would uh, bring the pain down into really manageable levels and that you would cause his bones to knit back together and that he would recover from this in an astounding fashion. And not only will they call him the miracle man for surviving, they're going to call him the miracle man for how fast he, he recovers from this. We just bless him in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, uh, in light of everything we've done, we're going to have a shorter message today, but I thought, uh, in light, sin, <laughs> who did that? <laughs> Was that my youth pastor? <laughs> All right. I was going to tell you a joke, but after that crack, yeah. All right, listen, in light of the fact that, that we all lost an hour of sleep, this is a test to see if you really... Uh, went to bed an hour early last night. All right, there were these three friends that were all three hard of hearing. And they met weekly and would hang out together. And one week when they were, two of them were standing on the street corner, the other was walking across the street, and he had to reach up and grab his hat to keep it from blowing off his head. When he got to his friends, he said, it's windy. And one of them said, no, it's Thursday. 
The third one then said, me too, let's go get a drink. <laughs> okay. It's pretty good. All right, we're going we're gonna to read a passage of scripture right now from um, the gospel of Mark. That's in the New Testament. So turn in the New Testament to Mark. If you have your Bible with you, uh, we encourage you to encourage you to bring your Bible with you. That's one of the reasons we're taking this approach for this season of time. You know, there are studies that have been done that that uh, maintain that uh, when a person brings their Bible to church, they're more likely to read it during the week. And uh, so that's we just really felt like we needed to go through a season of time at least where we really start to focus on the Bible more. And now if you have your phone here or your iPad, bring it out. That's awesome. Uh, a great way to read the Bible too. But um, we're going to read in Mark four, 14. And I'm going to start in verse 3, okay? This is right before Jesus, uh, right before the Passion Week, shortly before Jesus is crucified. And it starts off in verse 3 where it says, While he was in Bethany, reclining at the table in the home of a man named known as Simon the leper, a woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume. Made of pure nard. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. Some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor. And they rebuked her harshly. Leave her alone, said Jesus. Why are you bothering her? She's done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you and you can help them anytime you want. But you will not always have me. She did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. I tell you the truth. Wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. As you read through that, as you look at that passage, you see Jesus is here in Bethany, which is the, the home of Lazarus. Lazarus is actually at this dinner. He's the man that Jesus raised from the dead. And um, his sister Martha is serving. And it's very likely that it was Mary, the other sister, that came in and poured this expensive perfume out on the head of Jesus. And in the other gospel accounts, we see that she also poured it on his feet and actually let her hair down and washed his feet with her hair. Now, the, uh, the, the ones that are complaining here are the apostles. It doesn't say it in Mark, but in the other gospel accounts, that's clear. It was Jesus' actual disciples, his 12, the apostles, are indignant over this woman coming into the room, and they, they speak, they right in front of Jesus, they just jump on her case. And they are speaking words to her that are harsh and critical and condemning and, and would have wounded her heart. I expect, other than the fact that she was so focused on Jesus, she might not have cared what they were saying to her anyway. But my question as I look at this was this. What's at the root of harsh words like that? Why do we think that it's okay at times to just, just lay into someone and, and speak words that are 
hurtful and pain-filled, and, and we know it's going to wound their heart. Why, why is that? And what I want to look at is just a, a little bit about the impact of the tongue, and then we're going to draw some principles out of this uh, story that I think will help us to, uh, to walk in just a greater sense of speaking words that carry life and give life to other people. So the book of Proverbs talks about the tongue a lot. If you're having a problem in you, you, with the use of your tongue, reading Proverbs will, will give you some things to hold on to. But in Proverbs 18.21, this is a verse, Proverbs is uh, right in the middle of the Bible, right after Psalms. Proverbs 18.21, it says this. It says, the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Now, he starts off, the tongue has the power of life and death. So when he says tongue, he's talking about the words we speak. And we need to realize that the words we speak can release life to people, or they can release death to people. And words that are death words are words that shame others, words that cause people to live in self-judgment, that belittle others, that produce hopelessness in the lives of others. Those are death words. But words of life are words that stir faith, that stir hope, and call out the best in the other person. We like to refer to that as calling out the gold in the individual. And so the, the writer of Proverbs just lays it out here and says, look, two things, two ways you can go with this with your words. And then he makes this other statement, those who love it will eat its fruit. Now that's interesting because there's both a promise and a warning in that. And it's as if he's saying, if you like to talk a lot, then there's going to be fruit from what you say. And the fruit that you speak is going, what you speak is going to come back to you as the fruit. So if you speak words of death, you're you're going to, that's going to come back to you. There's this sense this principle that when I speak words of death to another person, those words of death come back on, my, on me as well. And I experience what I have spoken. But if I speak life to others, then there is life that comes back to me. And so when we think about this and we think about the use of the tongue and, 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 and what we're going to say to others, really this whole phrase, this whole, th- uh, this whole thing of, that Jesus taught us, Love others as you love yourself. Well, I love myself. I want life. And so I need to give life to others. With the understanding that when I give life to others, life comes back to me. And, and so, the, uh, well, the writer of Proverbs goes on in another place, well, earlier in this same chapter, Proverbs 18.8. There's Proverbs 18.8. And it says this, The words of a gossip are like choice morsels. They go down to the inmost parts. And again, what I'm trying to illustrate here is that the words we speak impact the heart. But he says the words of a gossip are like a choice morsel. Have you ever experienced that? Someone has some tidbit of gossip about another person and you just want to hear it. Even though you know it's wrong to hear it, you don't want to hear it in that sense. But there's something in you that says this seems tasty. But the, the writer of Proverbs here says, yeah, it is. But it's not in one ear and out the other. It's in the ear and in the heart. And so we need to be careful because the words of gossip, 
that we listen to and that we speak impact the heart. Now, you go on, and uh, Proverbs 16.24 kind of flips this all and takes it in another direction and is very positive. And it says this, Proverbs 16.24. It says, Pleasant words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. So pleasant words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. This is a verse that I wanted uh, us to see on the screen. But um, let's, let's read that together, okay? Let's read it. Ready? Pleasant words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. Pleasant words means beautiful words. It means helpful words, words that are filled with favor and grace, words that call out the best in others, words that see the best in others and speak that to them so that it increases and comes out even more and more. And they're like a honeycomb. Honeycombs, the sweetness of the honeycomb, and honeycombs are known also for their healing qualities, but um, it, it blesses the soul. Now, there are times when the word soul can just refer to the person's totality of life, your soul, your physical body, as well as your inner being. When it's contrasted with the physical, it probably refers to the inner person. So he's saying that these word, pleasant words are like, like a honey, honey to your heart. It's like honey to your heart. It blesses your heart. It gives you joy. But they also give you physical health. They're healing to the bones. And so when we speak words that are pleasant, healing words to others, it brings healing to them. And remember that rebound effect, the, what, I, what I do with my tongue, I'm going to eat of it. I'm going to eat of the same fruit. And so it rebounds to me for my own health. You know, one of the things we could all do just to be in better health is just make the determination, I'm not going to complain. I'm not going to criticize. I'm not going to try to lay blame I'm not going to try to figure out, well, whose fault was it? Well, we were late. Well, was it my fault? Was your fault? And, and, and all of that. Going to give that all up. Don't need that. Don't care about that. And we're just going to speak words that bless, word, words of honor, and, and words that bring healing. Now, Jesus said this. He said in Matthew 12, 4. This is Matthew 12, 4. He said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what's in my heart is what comes out of my mouth. Now, that tells us something, and it makes me wonder, well, what was in the heart of Jesus' apostles when, when they spoke to this woman in, in the way they did? But it also leads me to say, what's in my heart? And in Proverbs 4.23, the writer of Proverbs said this. He said, watch over your heart with all diligence, for out of it flow the springs of life. This is uh, Proverbs 4.23, a powerful verse to, to, to take and to just sink into your own heart and life. Watch over your heart. So we need to watch over our hearts. And let, let's look at this passage from the perspective of what were these apostles thinking. Uh, first of all, I want to say this. There is what um, a lot of people would, would call a religious spirit. And religion is different than Christianity. Religion is man's attempt to win favor with God. What do I have to do to find God? What do I have to do to please God? Well, I have to bring this sacrifice. Well, this, I have to go on this journey. I have to beat myself until I bleed. Or what do I have to do 
to please God and to find God. Or in, in Christian sense, it might be, I have to read the Bible. I have to go to church. I have to sing worship songs. And so, so a religious spirit is a spirit that causes us to focus more on what we do than what Jesus has already done. Okay, it focuses on self-righteousness rather than the fact that we have Christ's righteousness. When I understand that I have Christ's righteousness, then I realize there's nothing I can add to that, but I can live it out. Okay, so that's different. When I realized Jesus gave me his righteousness, I didn't deserve it. I didn't do anything to earn it. He gave it to me as a gift. I just opened my heart and said, here I am, I'll take it. And he gives me his righteousness then I can begin to live that righteousness out, but that's just a reflection of what he's done in my heart and life. And so all the glory goes to him. But a religious spirit wants to make us think, oh no, you've got to work for it. You've got to be righteous. You've got to do something. Consequently, a religious spirit is very judgmental of others because it looks at everything from a perspective of black and white. Now, That is what I think is happening here. These guys are falling under the influence of a religious spirit. And I'm going to show you why I think that here in just a moment. But as we look at what's happening here, first thing I would say is this. They had a wrong view of God. They had a wrong view of God. They're thinking that God's angry. That somehow God is out to get them. That God is upset with this woman. That God is thinking, well, that, that woman's not very, she's not very smart, she's not very godly, or she would have used that perfume and her money in a different way. And so they're judging her, and, and they're thinking, well, God's doing this. They're judging her because they think God's judging her. And if we view God as angry and judgmental, then that's how we're going to view people. That's how we're going to deal with people. That's going to color our thinking towards everyone. But God's not angry. Uh, Luke 6.35, a great verse. It's Luke 6.35. It says, He himself is kind to ungrateful and evil people. He's, he's, he's kind to evil people. And Romans 2.4, another powerful verse says, It's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. It's not the wrath of God. I mean, the whole era of fire and brimstone preaching was an era from the past that probably fit in that culture uh, more somewhat. But uh, God's not angry. God has already taken sin out of the way. He's already reconciled himself to people. Some of us have seen that and received Jesus and we become his children. We receive new hearts. We receive Christ's righteousness. Others haven't seen it yet. Nevertheless, God has already reconciled himself to them. All they have to do is reconcile themselves to him. They just have to turn to him and in faith thank him for what he's done and receive the forgiveness. Just walk in that forgiveness that he's already provided for them. And so God's not this angry God. Um, But uh, as I was preparing this, I remembered my third grade teacher. And I'm old enough that I went to school back in the day when they could beat you with sticks. (laughs) And didn't have to have a reason for it even. And my third grade teacher one time uh, well, also, this was before they said you can't read the Bible in school. She was re- we always started off reading the Bible every day. 
And she was reading the Bible, and this one boy on the other side of the room sitting up against the wall was not paying attention. He was doing something. She just immediately, she would just have these flares of rage, just instant rage. And she just becomes enraged. She took the Bible, and she stood up, and she threw it at him. And he ducked, and it hit the wall and broke into two pieces. Uh, now, well, I mean, that's no, it's, it's okay that the Bible broke. It's not like God was sad. But... Um, the point was, my point in that was that, uh, that she was so angry. And then another time, uh, I don't know what had happened, but she was mad at the whole class. And she took a yardstick and she walked through the room using it like a sword and just going like this and, goes, and knocking everything off a person's desk. And then she'd go and, and knock everything off their desk and through the whole room that way. Now, a lot of people think that's how God is. He's, he's just going to fly off the handle at a moment's notice. You know, don't do the wrong thing or, you know, he might throw something at you. Maybe he'll throw the Bible at you. Uh, but God's not like that. He's already reconciled himself to the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his son. Not he was so angry with the world that he gave his son or so angry at the world that he decided to judge them and show them up somehow. He loves people. And so when we get that, we really get that down, then we'll have a different view of people. And just this simple thing, because God is good and kind, I will use good and kind words. You hear that? Let's say, I want you to say, I'm going to say it again, then we'll all say it together. Because God is good and kind, I will use good and kind words. Let's say it again. Everybody on this side of the room now too. Because God is good and kind, I will use good and kind words. All right, that's the bottom line right there. They missed on that. Now, as well, they viewed God's provision as limited. They thought that because this woman poured the perfume out on Jesus, that then there wasn't going to be anything to feed the poor with. And today there's a phrase called a zero-sum game. Zero-sum game. And that's bandied about in gaming circles, but also in economic circles. And the idea is very, very limited resources have to be divided evenly and fairly. And therefore, if you get more than your share, that means someone else is going to get less than their share. Think of a pie. You have a pie and you have eight people and you cut it into eight pieces. The first person is probably a guy who comes to the table, takes two pieces of pie instead of just one. And you look at that and you say, all right, seven people left six pieces of pie. He took more than his share. Somebody else doesn't get any. That's called a zero-sum game. And that, that works sometimes in economics, but it doesn't work when you're talking about the eternal God who has infinite resources. It doesn't work when you're talking about the God who owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Because his resources never end. And when Jesus said to them, wait, wait a second... You're always going to have the poor with you. You can feed them anytime you want to. Implied within that is you're always going to have resources to do it with. Wow. You're always going to have the money to, to feed the poor. You can always do that. And so their, part of their mistake was that, they, uh, that they, had that, um, they had that wrong understanding. And what that does is it brings fear. If you think in zero-sum terms, it brings fear, and fear clouds thinking. Fear clouds good judgment. 
And so we're going to see here where the thinking really went wrong in a moment. But um, they undervalued the worth of Jesus as well. They undervalued the worth of Jesus. This is all under this main thought. They, they, they misunderstood who God was. They didn't understand how valuable Jesus, the Son of God, was. That he was worth a year's wages of perfume being poured on him. They just didn't see that. And I want to tell you, if we don't see that, then there's going to be so many other things that we won't understand about God, that we won't understand about spiritual life. But when we begin to realize Jesus is so valuable, he is worthy of all of the expensive perfume and the whole world being poured out on him. And for us just to say, God, open our eyes, show us his value, show us more of his worth and his beauty, and let, let our hearts be attached to that. Well, the second thing, they, they had a wrong view of God. The second thing, they, they were driven by personal agendas. Driven by personal agendas. Uh, first of all, Judas. In the other gospel writers, they say it was Judas that started the whole thing. It was Judas who started whispering, what? why is that? Why is that? She's wasting all of that. That could have been sold at a year's wages to feed the poor. Judas started that. Now, because the other guys had a wrong view of who God was, it was very easy for that to infect their thinking. And so they all buy into the same thinking. But it even says in, in one of the other gospels that the reason Judas said that was he was the treasurer of the group and he stole money out of the common fund. So all along, Judas was a thief. It wasn't just like he went bad at the very end. He was stealing money out of the common purse all along. But they allowed Judas's thinking to impact their thinking. His agenda impacted their agenda, and they all had an agenda. You, you look at these guys, they're constantly arguing with each other about who's the greatest, who's the best, who's the most powerful, you know, who's going to be the biggest ruler, who's the best preacher, who, who's best at healing, and all of that. They're arguing all the time. So they've been out doing ministry all day long, listening to Jesus teach in the big areas. Now they get to be alone with Jesus. And, and I can't help but believe with certainty that they all came into that meeting, they came to that dinner with some agenda. Some of them were thinking, oh, man, I really got to tell Jesus about that contact I had with that woman. He was walking down this way, and I stopped, and he'll be really proud of me, you know, for what, what happened there. And maybe someone else even was thinking, hey, I heard a good joke the other day about these three deaf guys, and I, I want to I tell Jesus that and make him laugh. But they came into this with thinking of what they wanted to have happen. And so when this woman comes in, it's kind of like, What? Now, if it was Mary, which I think it was Mary, she's also the one that was sitting at the feet of Jesus in another dinner party they had, which was totally inappropriate in that culture. Maybe they remember that. Maybe they're saying, oh boy, here comes Mary again. She's going to butt in. She's going to intrude. She's going to push herself to the front of the line. And they're all wanting to think, hey, hey, I wanted, th wait a second. I wanted to talk to Jesus. What are you doing here? There had to have been some of that in the background of their hearts. And so they had their own agendas. And, and when we have our own agendas, it, it just messes up our, our, our reaction to life because our agendas almost never come about. And our, it's probably a good thing that our agendas almost never are fulfilled perfectly. And so what we need to learn to say is this. Jesus... I really didn't need to tell my story anyway. 
I'm going to be content. I didn't need to tell that story. Jesus, uh, I didn't really need to get home early. I wanted to, but, uh, but I'll stop. I'll help this person or the traffic's heavy. That's okay. I didn't need to get home early. I, I don't need the extra piece of chicken, although that other guy doesn't need it either. He took it. And uh, <laughs> I can live without it, okay? I, I don't need to understand everything. I don't really need to get the prophetic word from the main speaker. Who, have you ever been there? Why is this person taking so long? Why doesn't Robbie tell them that they're taking too long? And there are other people in line. I mean, I, I, well, okay, God, it's all right. I didn't get to talk to, I didn't get to tell them what I thought or what, uh, that's okay. We have to give up our agendas. And I think the final thing I want to say about this is this, that they viewed this woman with prejudice. So I already said with Mary, if it was Mary, then they already have possibly have some grudge against her for sitting at Jesus' feet earlier. Uh, inappropriate for her to come in in this way, in this culture. And uh, the other gospels say that she actually poured perfume on his feet and she let her hair down and washed his feet with her hair. Look, I'm telling you, in any culture, that's kind of like a sensual type of a thing, or it can be interpreted that way very easily. And so there's all this judgment coming out out of them uh, against, against Mary. And so all Judas has to do is just strike that little match yeah, boy, we could have sold that and fed the poor. That's right. And they all jump on that. And then they all express their frustration and angry anger towards Mary. And you know what? They missed enjoying one of the greatest acts of worship that has ever happened. And Jesus actually says this act of worship is going to be spoken of everywhere throughout the world that the gospel goes. They missed it. Because they had a wrong view of who God was, because they had their own agendas, and because they were judging Mary instead of just sitting back and saying, wow, look at that, look at that devotion. Look, Jesus is worthy of this. This is great. Jesus is getting what he is worthy of instead of that. And so, uh, man, and, and, and the apostles, they just gave in to Judas's thinking. And here's, here's where I want to go with this and, and kind of end with this. The only person that should influence our thinking is Jesus. Okay, Jesus. And so what needs to happen is, wow, Jesus, I didn't expect this woman to come in. I mean, I'm thinking this if I'm one of the apostles. This is what I should have been doing. Didn't expect this. I did have something I wanted to talk to you about, but it's going to be interesting to see how you respond to this. Then I'll know what I think. What do you think? So I know what I think. And, and so, I, so we need to get used to that. We need to start doing that. Like Lori and I just done a lot of flying. So, Jesus, what do you think of that young mother two seats back whose baby has been crying for the last two hours? <laughs> I, I know what he thinks because we've, we've been young parents. I know he's thinking, man, that poor girl, she's probably embarrassed. This kid's crying for some reason she doesn't understand. Who knows where she's going? Who knows you know, why, why she's on this plane? And... And, and, but, but if we ask Jesus, just what are you thinking of them? And if he doesn't tell us, then we don't think anything. I had one time where I was judging this guy, watching this guy dance. Big guy, hair down to his shoulders, tambourine with streamers. And he's dancing, just worshiping God, and just dancing in circles like this. And, and I'm thinking, look at that guy making a show out of himself like that. And God spoke to me and said, what do you see on his face? My answer was Joy. And God said, well, what's in his heart? And I had to say, I don't know. 
God said, that's right, and you don't need to know because I know. So I mean, we just need, Jesus, what are you thinking? How are you viewing this person? My, one of my biggest faux pas in this whole area, again, we're on a plane. We're flying to Guatemala. This young woman sitting with her husband and three or four kids crowded in this little plane. And the kids are like really um, moving around a lot. And husband's just doing nothing. And I'm sitting there, I'm just, this guy's a lousy husband. Someone needs to straighten this guy out. He's a lousy husband. And so when, when we're deplaning, um, she starts getting her stuff down and I just start doing stuff. I say, okay, here, take this. Took a kid, handed it to the husband, said, here, you carry this one. You take this bag. I'll take these bags. And Lori was there. She's helping. So the, the husband takes the baby, takes the bag I gave him. We walk all the way down to customs. And uh, I finally had a chance to talk to him. And I said, how long have you guys been married? And he looked at me and he said, we're not married. I've never met this woman before. <laughs> <laughs> Just <laughs> Man, I got to tell you, I, I'll bet 90% of the time, well, at least 90% when we judge someone else, that's what's going on, something like that. And we are totally wrong, but we just don't get to see it. Okay, so, it's, so from now on, it is Jesus, what do you think? All right, what do you think, Jesus? Okay, I think the same thing you do. I'm with you. All right, so if we do this, I think we'll, we'll speak words of life to each other, and that's, that's where we want to be. All right, so, um, yeah, the ushers are going to come down now and receive the offering, then we're going to go into a time of worship, just have a great time worshiping here. Great worship sets coming up, man. Yeah, thank you. Thanks. The baskets are on the far left of the row, and just want to say, Jesus, thank you that we get to give. Thank you for uh, generous hearts in this church, and thank you that, boy, just as a, a just a spiritual principle, when we give freely, we don't give to get, but we give freely. Uh, you bless us, so I just pray blessing on every family and every household here. Thank you, in Jesus' name, Amen. Welcome to stand to come to the front.
Chains are breaking, okay? Just as we're listening to messages, we're worshiping, chains are breaking. And uh, Micah said he could literally hear that. Normally he sees things, but he could hear chains breaking off people. And I'm going to declare this. Family line issues of criticism that there's been criticism, a critical spirit in your family that's come down to you. You're being freed of that right now. In Jesus' name. I just pray freedom right now in Jesus' name for anyone who, who just feels trapped in criticism. And we, the blood of Jesus ends that as a family line issue. It will go no further. It stops right now. And freedom for this generation and all those coming. healing of wounded hearts you've had words spoken to you that just went deep into your heart and it's just like those chains are being broken too okay there's freedom i just i declare freedom over hearts that have been wounded through words spoken in jesus name healing physical healing today work uh, the prayer teams can start to make their way down and physical healing, especially for backs today, and for anyone that is experiencing increasing blurred vision. But any other things, too, we want to pray for physical healing for you, for whatever needs you have. And I just want to give an opportunity for anyone here who's never accepted Christ to say right now, I want to follow Jesus. And could you just bring the house lights up halfway, just, just slightly, just enough that we can see. Okay, so you're here, and you're hearing all this Jesus stuff, and you're sensing something in the room. That's God's presence. That's God's presence touching you and saying, his, He's been pursuing you with His love, and He wants to know you. All you have to do is say yes to Jesus. So is there anyone here that for the first time, you're going to say yes to Jesus? Just raise your hand right now. Don't be ashamed or afraid. Just go ahead and do it, okay? Just, Jesus, I'm, I'm inviting you into my life right now. okay so um, if you have children in the children's area please go back and get them right away and give them my apologies for it taking so long today but uh, Father God thank you for your goodness thank you for your crazy love and thank you for pursuing us with your love in Jesus name Amen. see you next week thanks for coming prayer team come on down